The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in His kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Well, Ecclesia, good morning, 11 a.m. It's my delight to be with you here this morning. Some of you are sitting here and you're thinking, oh, it's Mitzi. She's teaching today. This is so exciting. And I'm guessing that some of you are also thinking, who is the short Chinese woman on the stage? So in case you are part of the second group, let me take this opportunity to introduce myself. My name is Mitzi Mock, and six weeks ago, I joined the pastoral, yes, you heard that correct, the pastoral staff of Ecclesia. Yes, let's celebrate that together. This is very exciting. It's, it's really significant for me to be on this stage today because my, it's Father's Day and my father pastored for 42 years. And so in a way, I'm now more closely following in his footsteps. I never ever thought in a million years that I would become a pastor. When I was in fifth grade, I wanted to become president of the United States. In fact, I was voted most likely to be president of the United States in fifth grade. My backup was astronaut um, and never thought about ever being a pastor. And so this is new for me. It's also new for my husband, Jerry. People have been asking him, so this is Mitzi's new season. She's a pastor. So what are you doing in this new season? And Jerry said, well, I'm going to be learning how to be a pastor's wife. (laughs) Because... You know, pastor's husband doesn't roll off the tongue as easily as pastor's wife. So this is new for the two of us, but we're so excited that this is a season that God has for us right now and in the season of Ecclesia. So Jerry and I have been part of this community for over 12 years. And most of those 12 years though, we haven't actually lived in the country. So we joined the church in 2007, and then later that fall, God took us to Calcutta, India, where we lived for two and a half years, serving with a human rights organization called International Justice Mission. And we were working in their anti- one of their anti-trafficking offices. And then God brought us back to the US to get us ready to move to Northern Iraq. And we'd lived there for seven years, working with an int- uh, a local nonprofit that focused on child protection. And so we recently moved back to the United States January 21st of this year. So we are brand new to this country and new to Houston, even though it was our home before. It's like that re-entry, like the culture shock is coming over and over and again. I mean, please, especially if you're talking about pop reference uh, culture, sorry, pop culture references or apps, like anything to do with technology, just pretend that we're recent immigrants and we have no idea what you're talking about and please just speak very, very slowly to us. So I wanna show you where in Iraq we were living, because not everyone is super familiar with this part of the world. So here's a map, and Iraq is in white, and then you see Iran, Saudi Arabia, Syria, Turkey. Where the red rectangle is, is Suleimania, and that's the city where we lived for just over seven years. I wanted to also show you what our local, or the local dress was like in Kurdistan, but I couldn't find a really great picture. But then the Lord brought to mind, Mitzi, bring the gift 
that your staff gave you as you were leaving, and it's the most ridiculous and sublime thing you've ever seen. And so we brought it here today to show you what the local dress looks like. This is us on a carpet. So I also have a picture for those of you who can't see from the back. Isn't this amazing? I mean, when they, they said that they were looking for a gift that was unique and very special and that would show how much they loved us, and then they unfurled this carpet in front of us and our jaws just dropped. I mean, we were literally dumbstruck when we saw it, and we love it. So currently, we're staying with my parents while we figure out where we're gonna live on our own, but when we do find that place, this carpet is going to have a special spot in our home. In fact, I'm thinking of putting it just as you come in the front door because we want you to know that you are welcome. This carpet is in the house and so anybody is welcome to be in our house. I want to talk just for a second about what it's been like for us to come back from living in the Middle East for seven years to Houston, Texas. And you're going to find my next statement surprising, but this is the truth, both for me and for Jerry. Our life in Iraq seems so much easier than our current life in Houston. Isn't that crazy? You're thinking, how can that be? You know, we had seven years of figuring out life there, totally changing and adjusting all the expectations. But we're brand new here. Like, we got used to the power cuts and we got used to um, the language barriers and all that. But Houston, let me tell you what you have that we are not used to, your traffic. The Houston traffic, I think, could break us. The times that we are sitting in traffic are the times when Jerry and I look at each other and we ask ourselves, are we gonna make it here? Are we gonna make it here in the United States? I think maybe we're better off going back to Iraq where our commute was three minutes by car and eight minutes walking. So this is new for us. So extend us some grace. Talk slowly to us, anything about the U.S. We are in a series, actually I'm about to finish our series on the Celtic way of evangelism. And so if you've been here for the past several weeks, you know that a while ago Chris kicked off this series with a video in the Taqueria. And then over time some of our other staff have come to talk. And what I love about Ecclesia is that many different voices and backgrounds are invited to be on this stage. So Chris C. started the series. Then you heard from Sean Palmer, and you heard from Wayne Brown. And today, you're going to hear the voice of Mitzi Mock talk about the Celtic way of evangelism. Would you pause with me as I pray for all of us? God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, three in one, thank you for welcoming us into your presence. We pray that you would open up our hearts, our minds, our souls, and our senses to the stirrings of the Holy Spirit 
that you have for us today. Amen. So to give you a quick recap of the Celtic way of evangelism, here's a a short summary. Go to the people, live among them, learn from them, love them, start with what they know, and build on what they have. One of the big themes of the Celtic way of evangelism of St. Patrick and those people who were part of his community was this idea that belonging often comes before believing. That belonging often comes before believing. We've been part of groups or organizations, maybe other churches, where they say, you have to meet these standards and then we'll invite you in. You have to tick these boxes or you have to believe these things and then you're welcome. But what St. Patrick found and the people who were part of his community, they realized you know, that, that's not really working for a lot of people. They often need to feel like they belong to the group and then the belief comes later. And I know that some of you are thinking, you know, I think that's how it happened for me. I was invited to be a part, and it was, I was not the outsider for very long. Even before I understood everything that was going on, people invited me in, and then later I started to believe what other people were believing. Part of this idea of belonging coming before believing changes then the nature of evangelism. And evangelism becomes more about helping people to belong so that they can believe. And one of the ways that we help people belong is through this idea of soul friendship. And this is something, again, that St. Patrick and those in his community really advocated for. And soul friend comes from the Gaelic word anamkara. Isn't that beautiful? Anam is the word for soul, and kara is the word for friend. And this is someone who will listen to you, guide you, and love you. Your anamkara is the person who will listen to you, guide you, and love you. John O'Donohue wrote an entire book about anamkara, and in it he says, love allows understanding to dawn, and understanding is precious. Where you are understood, you are at home. Understanding nourishes belonging. When you really feel understood, you feel free to release yourself into the trust and shelter of the other person's soul. Isn't that beautiful? And that's what God is calling us to be, to be the anamkara to the people around us. I was praying about this message and asking God, God, what is it that you have for me to say to your people? And he said, Mitzi, why don't you talk about the ultimate soul friend, the ultimate anamkara, Jesus. And so God led me to the scriptures, and I started reading mostly through the book of Mark. 
And I noticed that Jesus exhibited these characteristics of the Anamkara. He listened, he loved, he guided. And as I saw all of these instances of his love, these phrases kept popping out at me, phrases where Jesus got close, where he came in and got close to people. In the scriptures we read that Jesus touched him. Jesus touched the leper. Jesus put his hand on his eyes. Jesus took her hand. Jesus lifted her up. What a beautiful way of showing people that we love them by being willing to be close, by being willing, willing to be close enough to touch them. You know, and his touch was that healing and loving touch. You know, another thing that Jesus did as soul friend was to listen. He listened well. And he listened even after being interrupted. It is really hard for me to listen to Jerry after he has interrupted me. That is a divine thing, to be able to be interrupted, and then instead of saying, oh, no, 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 I was talking, let me finish, to then say, what would you like to say? But Jesus did that. <laughs> Jesus did that, and it's the story of Bartimaeus, the blind man. He, Jesus and his followers were leaving Jericho, and they were off to their next destination. And they, you know, they had a, another place to go. And Bartimaeus, the blind man, was on the side of the road, and he was shouting, Jesus, Jesus, and they were walking, and even some of the followers were telling Bartimaeus, no, shh, be quiet. We have places to go. Be quiet. No, but Bartimaeus kept shouting, Jesus, Jesus, and then as we continue this story in the scripture, we read that Jesus stopped, he listened, and said, what do you want? Isn't that beautiful? He didn't say, no, we have somewhere to go. He stopped and he said, what do you want? And this is what an Anamkara does. They listen to us lovingly. What is it that you want? What is it that you want? Another thing that Jesus did to help guide people was to tell stories. He told parables, and I want to tell you a story right now. It's not a parable, but it's a true story. It's a true story that happened in the Kurdish region of northern Iraq, in Sulaymaniyya, and it's a story of soul friendship that I got to be part of. And this soul friendship was with a woman named Sarah, who is a local woman in the region. And she and I met at her birthday party, actually. And you're thinking, well, how did you meet her for the first time at her birthday party? Well, we were going to visit our friend Peter, and he was hosting a birthday party for her. And he invited us in, even though we didn't know her, he let us belong to the party. And then he said, actually, I've been hoping, Mitzi, that you would meet Sarah, and how amazing it is that you show up at her birthday party. Please come in. So Sarah and I met, and we, we immediately hit it off. We have a lot in common. We're both women. We both are very interested in intellectual pursuits. She more than I. She ended up getting her PhD 
during our seven years in Kurdistan. Um, took me eight years just to get my bachelor's degree. But still, I really do enjoy intellectual pursuits. And she enjoyed learning about new people and new cultures. And I learned so much from her about what it's like to be a woman living in the Middle East. And we just had this beautiful friendship. And she would come over pretty frequently. We would hang out at my house. We would take walks in the park. And one day, and this really surprised me, she said, Mitzi, you are the wisest person I know. And then she said, I think it must be your Christianity. You are the wisest person I know. I think it must be your Christianity. Isn't that incredible? I mean, we, I grew up in church hearing people say, be the salt of the earth, be the light of the world, be the fragrant aroma of Jesus, and people are gonna be attracted to that. And that is exactly what happened with me and Sarah. It wasn't about me, but what she recognized was the Father and said, it must be your Christianity. And I said, well, would you like to come to church with me since this is something that you seem amenable to? And she said, okay, I'll go to church with you. And so she came to church with me and she really enjoyed it. Because at church, there are a lot of really friendly people at church. And she enjoyed that part of church. Everyone was so nice and so kind to her, even though she was a woman. That's not always her experience. And she really enjoyed the songs that we were singing. She said, Amitzi, I really like these songs that you sing at your church. They really bring peace and calm to my soul. I mean, I was just so delighted to hear that. Well, a few weeks later, we were at church again. She started coming with us regularly. And she said, Mitzi, I realized that not only am I listening to this music, I'm singing the songs too. And it was this realization that she was singing. She didn't make this decision, okay, I'm gonna start singing the songs now. She did not believe the words that she was singing, and yet she felt a part of what was going on that compelled her to start singing as well. We had a kids camp at our church, just like we have kids camp here at Ecclesia, and they were asking for volunteers to help with crafts, to cut out all those paper things so that the kids can glue them together or staple them or whatever they're doing. And so Sarah is a university professor, and so I asked her, would you like to help with volunteering? And she said, is, is that okay that, that I would help? I said, of course, you're welcome. And then she said, well, my mom is visiting from a neighboring country, and she doesn't speak any English. Is it okay if she comes with me? I said, of course, your mom is very welcome to come. You know, as long as she can use those scissors to cut those things out, all are welcome. And so they came and they were there for three afternoons that week, that summer. And at the end of our time, Sarah told me that her mom told her, I really enjoyed being in that building. I feel like I could breathe Jesus in there. I felt like I could breathe in Jesus. And maybe you're thinking, Jesus? What does she know about Jesus? Well, Jesus is not an unknown person 
to most of the world. They may not believe him or in him, but he is a known person to many, many people. And for Sarah and her mom, they had heard of Jesus. And what they knew of Jesus was these stories they had heard from the New Testament. And in fact, they said that they loved Jesus because of the way that Jesus treated women in these stories. Sarah and her mom are part of a culture where women aren't always treated very nicely, and certainly not the way that Jesus treated women in the Bible. In fact, Sarah would be at my house in tears, asking Mitzi, how come I couldn't have been born a man? How come I couldn't have been born a man? My life would be so much better, so much easier if I could be born a man. And it was during one of these times where that she was in tears in my living room that I, I sensed the Holy Spirit say, Mitzi, pray for a miracle for her. And I thought, God, I don't wanna pray for a miracle for her. What if, what if she doesn't get a miracle? And the Holy Spirit said, no, I want you to pray for a miracle for Sarah. And so I said, Sarah, can I pray for you? Like, let's ask God for a miracle in your life. And so we just, I just boldly prayed, Jesus, give Sarah a miracle in your life. We don't know what it's gonna be like, but give her a miracle. Would you believe that he did? I mean, I was shocked. I shouldn't have been shocked because the Holy Spirit told me to do this, like not once, but twice. And then he did give a miracle to her. She said, Mitzi, you prayed for a miracle. And I had a conversation with my father that I've never had before. And it's opened up a new path in our relationship. It was actually the very next day after we prayed. There's another time that Sarah was at my house and she was recounting this nightmare that she had where this oppressor, this attacker was chasing her and had cornered her in this room and there was no way of escape. And as she's telling me this story, she said, so I prayed, dear Lord Jesus, help me. And the oppressor went away. He just vanished. And I was a little dumbstruck because in her, in her prayer, in her nightmare, she said, dear Lord Jesus. So I said, Sarah, do you normally pray to Jesus? And it was just like the singing. In that moment, she had to stop and think. And she said, you know, I didn't used to, but I do now. It wasn't a conscious decision. I'm going to start praying to Jesus. It just became this thing coming from her heart, this belonging to this community that she had been accepted into. Another really cool way that she was accepted into our community is our friend Amy, who's British. And every, every evening after church, Amy would invite Sarah over to her house to watch the Great British Bake Off. And this became a real point of bonding for the two of them. You know, so through the music, through a television show, you know, Sarah was feeling like she really belonged. Fast forward some more time, and we're at church again, and it's time for communion. And, and our church in Kurdistan is, is different from here at Ecclesia, where if you're a follower of Jesus, you're invited to come forward, but if you're not, they ask you to just sit and think about 
who Jesus is. And typically, during that time, Jerry and I would stand up and go forward to receive the communion, and Sarah would stay seated. And I think you guys know where I'm going with this story, right? Well, on that particular Saturday night at church, I stood up, Jerry stood up, and then Sarah stood up. And she walked forward to receive communion. And so later I'm talking to her, and I'm saying, you know, Sarah, typically during the communion, you usually stay seated, but at church you went forward too with me and Jerry. And I said, can you tell me more about that? And she said, well, they said that if you're a follower of Jesus, come forward, and I'm a follower of Jesus, so I went forward. And it was this like, of course I went forward. Of course, I'm a follower of Jesus. You know, and again, it wasn't this, I'm gonna make this decision and today is the day that I'm going to take communion. But the sense of belonging led her into belief. There are a couple of things that I want to talk about regarding the idea of soul friendship from this story that I've just shared. And there are lots of things about soul friends that I could talk about, but I do want to talk about a couple of things. And one is maybe the first step of soul friendship. People around the world, and also even here in the United States in Houston, Texas, don't have the best image of a Christian. In fact, it's quite negative to many people. We don't have the best reputation here and abroad. Some of that is unfair, some of it is very fair criticism. Well, Sarah had that same idea. And one time, in my living room, she said, Mitzi, whenever I think of Christians, I think of people who are hard and harsh. Yet somehow, you are soft. Somehow, you are, it just did not make sense to her because in her mind, a Christian is hard and harsh. Yet you are a Christian sitting in front of me and you are soft. One of the things that we can do as part of soul friendship is to help redeem the name Christian. I had another beautiful, beautiful soul friendship with three local women named Afifa, Fatima and Mahabad. And we actually formed a book group together. We had a lot in common. Again, we're all women. We were all teachers. We all spoke English, thank God. We all loved reading. We all loved learning new things. And here's the thing that really bonded us. We were really devout in our faith. I'm devout in Christianity, and they are devout in Islam. And yet our mutual devotion to our faith is actually, I think, the thing that brought us together the most. And we were able to have just wonderful and amazing times together. But early on in the friendship, they came to me, and they said, Mitzi, we wanna do a book group with you, and we want you to choose the book, and we want you to choose a book on human development. Now, I love to read. And I don't know what I like more, reading the book or talking about the book. I am an extrovert, and so being around people just gives me so much energy. And so they were coming to me, asking me if I wanted to do one of my absolute favorite things to do. Is that the Holy Spirit or what? 
And so I chose a book that they said changed their life. They said, this book needs to be read by every person in the world. And the book that I had chosen was The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. I know many of you are big fans of Brene Brown, and there are a group of Kurdish Muslim women in Iraq who are also now huge fans of Brene Brown. I really wish that I were back there so that we all could watch Brene's recent Netflix show together. But alas, I am here. But Afifa and Fatima and I were reminiscing about our friendship as I was getting ready to come back to the United States. And Afifa shared, she said, you know, we first met you and we really liked you, but we didn't, I didn't ever think that we would become friends. Because I'm Christian, uh, sorry, she said, I'm Muslim and you're Christian. And then she said, which is so heartbreaking, she said, I never thought I never thought a Christian would want to be my friend. I never thought a Christian would want to be my friend. They'll know we are Christians by our love. In her mind, they'll know we are Christians by our unwillingness to be friends. And part of our time in Iraq was, again, to redeem that name Christian. And part of soul friendship, that first step of soul friendship, of being someone's anamkara, could be doing that for someone that you know here in Houston or in the communities where you live. Are there people who have that negative view? Can you be the person who's not hard and harsh? Can you be the person that is soft? Another thing that Jesus did that I want to talk about now is being a guide. Being a, Jesus was a guide to the Father. Every, a lot of times in Scripture we hear him saying, I am sent by my Father. I give glory to the Father. And in Kurdistan, we had guides. We had these cultural guides who would help us understand the culture. And I want to tell this short story now about a, a rotisserie chicken that we wished that we had the cultural guide before this happened. So the story is that we're hungry. We, we love to eat, actually. And Jerry was going to get a rotisserie chicken from the rotisserie chicken man. And he was giving it to Jerry, and then Jerry's getting ready to pay, and the man said, no, this is a gift for you. I want to give you this chicken because you are a guest in our country. And Jerry thought, no, 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 I need to pay. Let me give you the money. And the man is saying, no, you are a guest. It would bring me great honor if you would take this as a gift of, of welcome to our country. And Jerry's saying, no and he keeps saying yes and back and forth. And so finally Jerry said, okay, and he took the chicken. Well, then the next time Jerry went to go get a rotisserie chicken from this man, he charged him double. <laughs> when we shared this story with someone who was not a good example of an Anamkara, this person literally with the you weren't supposed to take the chicken. You were supposed to say no. You completely offended that man and his business by taking that chicken. Well, we did not know. If someone says it will give me honor for you to take this chicken, in our minds, we're gonna take the chicken because we want to give honor. 
Contrast to our other friend, and this is actually Mahabad, the woman who's in my book group, she said, oh, Mitzi, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Let me explain something about our culture. It is our duty to offer hospitality to everyone that comes in our path. And it is an honor for you to be offered hospitality, but then you're supposed to politely decline because they don't really want to give you the chicken. <laughs> and I, I said, well, thank you for telling me that. I wish that we had known before. And she became that person that I could ask all of these questions to, like the no judgment zone, right? And she knew that our hearts were for the people, that we weren't wanting to offend. She never once did this to us, ever, but just so lovingly guided us. And that's what we're asking you to do today, is to be a loving guide, not to the Kurdish culture, but to the culture of Jesus. And what is that culture? That culture is one of hope and redemption and rescue and worship of a God who loves us lavishly. And that lavish love is no matter what, is no matter what. That's the culture that I'm inviting you to be a guide for someone else. Jesus had this to say about being guides, and this is from Matthew. And you, beloved, are the light of the world. A city built on a hilltop cannot be hidden. Similarly, it would be silly to light a lamp and then hide it under a bowl. When someone lights a lamp, she puts it on a table or a desk or a chair, and the light illumines the entire house. You are like that illuminating light. Let your light shine everywhere you go, that you may illumine creation, so men and women everywhere may see your good actions, may see creation at its fullest, may see your devotion to me, and may turn and praise your Father in heaven because of it. I wanna read verse 16 again. You, ecclesia, are like that illuminating light, let your light shine everywhere you go, that you may illumine creation, so men and women everywhere may see your good actions, may see creation at its fullest, may see your devotion to me, and may turn and praise your Father in heaven because of it. My friend Sarah saw wisdom in me, and yet turned and acknowledged that that wisdom came from God. Ecclesia, we are calling you to be that light. We are calling you to be the Anamkara, the person who listens and loves and guides. Isn't that beautiful? That's the invitation for you today. And there could be some of you in this room who are thinking, you know what, I'm new to this. I don't know if I'm qualified to be an Anamkara for someone. I, I'm brand new. I haven't been doing this for very long. Well, my question back to you is, are you willing to listen? Are you willing to love? Are you willing to guide? And if the answer is yes, then yes, you can be someone's Anamkara. In fact, you are critical to our community because we need your voice of what it's like to be new. You have the freshest memory of all of us of what it was like to be 
not part. You have the fresher memory of what it was like not to belong, to not believe, and we need those voices. When we were in Kurdistan, it was encouraged to us to find someone who had been living in the region a long time to help us. But it was also suggested that we find someone who was just one or two steps ahead of us because they were closer to our situation. So if you're new, we need you too. And other people in this room may be thinking, my life is messy. I don't know if my life could be qualified to listen and love and guide. I have this really messy life. Well, I wanna tell you today that messiness often invites belonging. There was a time in me and Jerry's marriage where we thought it was not going to last. It was hopeless. It was without hope. We could have just kept that to ourselves, but we were in a small group here at Ecclesia. This is between India and Iraq, and we actually invited our small group into that pain, into the, the tears, um, sometimes into the anger. And you know what happened? They didn't do this. They did this with us. And then we had other people come and share their stories of brokenness in their marriages. And it actually brought us together. They felt like they belonged. You know, they, maybe they were thinking, wow, you know, Mitzi and Jerry belong to this community. Their life is a mess. So maybe even in my mess, I can belong. You could be thinking that your messiness is a barrier, but because of the love of Jesus Christ, your messiness can be an open gate to somebody. And that's what we're inviting you in today, is to be that open gate, to be that loving, listening guide. I mentioned earlier that I love reading. One of my favorite authors is Madeline L'Engle, and I love what she has to say. We draw people to Christ, not by loudly discrediting what they believe, not by telling them how wrong they are and how right we are, but by showing them a light that is so lovely that they want with all their hearts to know the source of it. By showing them a light that is so lovely that they want with all their hearts to know the source of it. I once had Fatima ask me, Mitzi, can you tell me how you hear God speaking to you? Because I don't hear God speaking to me. She recognized that, like, there's something about me, and yet she was asking about my relationship with God in that. Ecclesia, we want you to be that loving, listening, guiding light. I have several invitations for you today, and maybe one of these is an invitation for you to say yes to. The first invitation, maybe God is asking you to be someone's Anamkara, to be their soul friend. Or maybe God is inviting you to consider a current friendship that he wants you to take deeper into soul friendship. Or maybe God is inviting you to express your gratitude to him for the Anamkaras in your life. And another possibility is that maybe God is inviting you to ask him for an Anamkara. You're new, you don't quite feel that you belong yet, and you desire this kind of friendship in your life. Ask God 
for that friend. He would be delighted to hear from you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.